0: Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to Money Awakenings. Ah, this is your host, Financial Shaman, the one and only, for now, Larry (laughs) Morrison. Hope you're feeling great. I am feeling, I don't know, I'm feeling good, I'm feeling happy, but there's definitely some Hmm, I want to say darkness, there's definitely some healing that needs to take place, and I'm hoping that me talking this out with you will obviously benefit both of us. So what I like to do on this podcast is I like to go for a walk Ah, in nature, if I can. I mean, I guess we're always in nature if we're not indoors, and uh, depending on your perspective, And um, just have a very one-sided conversation. And typically I break down all of the belief systems that block wealth, uh, the frequency of abundance, or happiness and joy and fulfillment, unconditional love, gratitude. Anything that blocks the foundational frequencies will also block wealth. Because to be in alignment with abundance is to really understand that you're unconditionally loved at all times. And for those of us who, which is pretty much everyone, who have been indoctrinated to believe that this is a hostile universe that runs on conditional love, that you have to jump through a shit ton of hoops in order to have Source rain down blessings upon you, like the Santa Claus God right if you've been indoctrinated like i have into that and are ideally if you're listening to me like me attempting to shift perspective perception to a new reality or a reality that you have maybe been shrouded from you maybe been hidden from you even though it was always right there into an unconditionally loving and supportive universe we run into Certain habits of thought, shall we say, belief systems for sure, patterns that are subtle after you start to really tear down the onion layers and go closer and closer and closer into the center, things become more subtle. They're not as pronounced like, oh, I'm triggered, so this is you know, obviously has to do with my mom dying or whatever the case may be, some trauma. You come to a place where there's the messages are much more subtle, but quite obviously still there. And so, what I've been really grappling with lately is this idea of being wrong and how we're so scared to be wrong, all because of our indoctrination right because of conditional love we don't if we're wrong the condition isn't met so love doesn't flow so we're we feel unloved if we're wrong and we're so scared of that the lack of love because maybe like me you were abused or emotionally tormented if you were wrong you know made to feel stupid and inadequate and not good enough I mean, this is in all levels, not just parents. I mean, classrooms do this, you know, classmates, teachers. And it happens on and on the line. But obviously, we can't always be right because, A, we wouldn't grow. That's the paradox, right? The paradox is, if you're right, you don't grow. But being wrong is fucking painful, Actually, the paradox is really um, you always strive to be aligned with the truth, but being wrong or being right doesn't help you grow. So here you come to this place where it's like we know that curiosity is curiosity and the ability to shift perspective combined together is a superpower. And yet, we can only have so many perspectives on a thing. So I was coming across this today, and if you've been listening religiously, which is a hilarious word, there's this great joke by Dimitri Martin who says, uh, I work out religiously once or twice a year around the holidays. (laughs) Uh, So funny. Anyway, <laughs> try to keep my positive mental attitude while diving into this because, you know, it's not, it's not exactly, though I can't hear or see your faces or hear your responses, it's not exactly, like, exciting, if you will, to, sh- to show my flaws but obviously necessary for my own healing. And to make you realize that I'm still just a dude, right? I maybe have some shit figured out, but as soon as I feel like I have it figured out, I have to let go of it. Which is extremely frustrating, but fascinating at the same time. Okay, so where to begin? We've talked a lot on this podcast about judgment. Judgment. And how judgment is pretty much the killer or opposite of unconditional love. Because if you were unconditionally loving, there would be no need for judgment. Right? What would be the point? You judge it as good or bad, doesn't matter. Oh, there's some kind of a dog coming at me. No leash, no owner. Looks like a Doberman, kind of. Nope. Oh, I can't tell. It's hard to tell. Stay tuned. So, where was I? Oh, I guess he's not done. What would be the use for judgment if you had unconditional love? Right? If you judge something as good or bad, it doesn't matter because you unconditionally love it. The love doesn't diminish at all. It doesn't change anything. Now, there is still discernment, which is, you know, I always use the, uh, the analogy of the buffet. what is the deal here? Is this the owner of the dog, for instance, I would prefer through discernment not to have wild stray dogs come up and try to bite my ankles. But I don't think, and this is really what I want to get into I don't think because something happens that's not my preference that I'm unloved by God, right. This is the slippery slope we get into about being wrong that I talked about. So we slowly let go of judgment. Like nothing is in a, it, in, a, hmm. in essence, I guess is probably the best. Nothing is in an essence good or bad inherently. That's the word I was looking for. It's not good or evil inherently. It just is until we judge it. However, you slip into... Preferences, because you still are like at the buffet of life. I prefer not to have wild dogs attack me, but if source sees fit to have that happen, then I have to know that I'm still loved, even if some kind of preference doesn't happen. Because to say, let's let's flip it around here for a second. If a preference doesn't happen, and I feel unloved, that's conditional love. That's saying Source's love is conditional. Right? Because it's like you immediately fall into the the trap of just like a parent who you ask for something, hey, I would prefer not to have green beans tonight. Nope, you're eating green beans. You're like, do they not care? Do they not love me? Right? Or is it just what they cooked, right? So, like, you can fall into the trap super easy that if your preferences aren't meant met, God doesn't care about what you want. And which will make you feel unloved. Because you you'll feel uncared for. That's the slippery slope. It's also kind of what we talked about, the slippery slope about being wrong, too. You're afraid of the conditional love not coming to you. But let's flip it around and look at a different perspective. What if, um, like the dog situation that just happened, do I not love God now? because a preference wasn't met. Is my love for Source conditional upon all my preferences being met? Right? I wanna walk dog free, or at least, I don't care about barking, at least a dog attack free. That's a preference, (laughs) right? But if it doesn't happen, and Source sees fit to do what it needs to do, is my love for Source conditional? Like, why didn't you meet my preferences? I'm upset with you. What I feel strongly, and I wrote about this yesterday, was what that triggers, uh, among many things, is a feeling of powerlessness, is the main thing. Power, the way I define power, is the ability to create your own reality, as you see fit or as you prefer. That's power. Power. Um, now some people have it twisted to think that power is power over other people to have them do your bidding or whatever, but that's just my definition of power, the ability to create your own reality as you see fit, as you prefer. Now, the feeling of powerlessness is the inability to create your own reality, right? So in that regard... If something happens that you don't prefer, you feel powerless. It triggers powerlessness, which can trigger anger. Because anger is always a cover up for powerlessness, and it will also trigger self righteousness. It's hard to have uh, anger without self righteousness. Think about it for a second. You have to be right to be angry. That what you think is right is not happening. I shouldn't be attacked by dogs. And then I get angry. Right? These dogs should be on a leash. Whose dog is this, right? Who's not training their animal? Or releasing them, possibly. Or who knows? And they just got out of the gate or something. But my point is... You, it's very difficult to be angry if you're if you're not also self-righteous. Because to take away the self-righteous component, if you didn't think you were right, how could you be angry? If you were like, it's hard to be angry not knowing what you want, or not knowing what you prefer, or not knowing what you think is best. Right? Give me something, give me something. Can you, can you communicate through this podcast? No. <laughs> so let's just take a, a simple example of an average thing that you're angry about. Let's say traffic. Or somebody cuts you off in traffic. Right? You get angry because you think that that person should pay more attention. Right? So when you have that thought in your mind or that belief that people should pay attention while they're driving, which is not a leap in logic. Of course, subconscious, we're all driving the car subconsciously. The subconscious is driving the car, not you, really. That's a whole other subject. But my point is, you have a belief, or a thought at least, that could be a belief that says people should pay attention, and then you get angry because they didn't. If you didn't have the belief that people should pay attention... You couldn't get angry if you were just like, wow, I don't know what's going on. Why did that person do that? You can't be angry at that. Why did that happen? You may actually, maybe, but it's, it's gonna be a lot less, like the anger's not gonna go very far. If you're curious, if you're truly curious, not like, why did you do that? Like if you're yelling at a child, why did you do that? Because, If you're saying it like that, you already have a belief that that shouldn't have happened. So I don't want to get too in the weeds here, but what I'm trying to say is it's almost impossible to be angry if you're also not self-righteous. If you also don't think you know what should have happened. Because both of those things that go hand in hand are to cover up your feeling of powerlessness. There's only two ways that you can feel powerless, really. I mean, there's a third... If we really want to get into it, maybe we will. Let's say, just let's say there's three ways, but ma- mainly there's two. And then we'll talk about the third. The two ways you feel powerless or how powerless triggered inside of you to which you get angry to try to get your power back, which is kind of similar to having someone you're around, you're around someone that makes you feel insecure. So you tear them down to your level, right? Nobody would tear anybody else down if they felt equal to everybody else. The insecurity is what makes you tear them down. Why would you tear someone down that you felt equal to? So it's the same thing. When you when powerless is triggered inside of you, you get angry and you get self-righteous. And there's three ways to get feel powerless. Two main ones that we're going to talk about. Maybe a third we'll touch on. The two main ways is, one, someone makes a decision for you or a decision that affects you that you do not prefer. For instance, the government makes a law or a rule or some kind of guideline or some shit that you do not prefer. (laughs) The one I always go to is the seatbelt law. I never understood it. I still don't. You're forcing me to wear a seatbelt. You're forcing me to protect my own life. Now I always wear a seatbelt, but the the fact that it's a law is weird. I'm the only one that gets hurt if I don't wear the seatbelt. That is within my, I'm, I'm the one taking the risk on my life. How are you forcing me to protect myself? That doesn't make any sense to me. And I've looked at it from many possible angles. I get it. If they're a child under 18, yeah, you gotta, whatever. And I'm not saying I don't want to wear a seatbelt. That's not the point. The point is that there's a law in the books that says I have to. So that if I forget or doesn't happen, I get a ticket? Who's at risk? Me. If it's, if I'm the one stupid enough to not wear it, it doesn't affect anybody else but me. Anyway. So the government makes a law. I guess that it would affect the highway patrolman who had to scoop out my brains, maybe. And maybe that's the reason they do it. I don't know. Anyway, if I got an accent, obviously. So someone makes a law you don't agree with that goes against your preferences. You get angry and self-righteous. They shouldn't have done that. I could do a better job if I was running the show. You'll talk to anybody who, who um, will listen about your preferences, your point of view, your perspective on this. Someone makes a decision for that affects you that you do not prefer. You get triggered and the feeling of powerlessness triggers self-righteousness and anger. If they made a decision that something that you did prefer, there would be nothing triggered. You wouldn't feel powerless, you'd be like, oh, cool. That's awesome. You know, all, everybody works 40 hours a week, four 10s now. That's great. That's awesome. Let's do that. Right. Which always would have been... Anyway, that's a whole other subject. My point is, powerless is triggered. Powerlessness is triggered. That's the first way. Second way is if Source does something that you don't prefer. The feeling of powerlessness gets triggered. Maybe that you could just look at Mother Nature. You know, there's a hurricane or a sandstorm, or sandstorm, where the hell are we, Sahara? There's a hurricane or an earthquake or a wildfire that wasn't caused by a human being. Like, you know, maybe lightning or something. And so now, that's something you don't prefer, because it maybe affects your commute, or it affects, you know, it endangers your living space or something right? Or maybe it's something simple, not an act of God, so to speak, but like your car breaks down and you blame God. You feel powerless over life. This happens in money all of the time. The market takes a turn or, you know, your Roth IRA doesn't perform as you thought it would. Or, and this happens to me, your financial professional doesn't respond to your email fast enough, right? And you feel a triggered, a feeling of powerlessness, because what you pref- did, what you preferred didn't come to pass. What's dangerous about that is, you also feel unloved by God when that happens. This is what I've been racking my brain with, and, like, I kind of feel like, you know, this isn't exactly a spoiler, but this is sort of a nerdy thing. I feel like Doctor Strange, when he's, like, going through, in the first movie where he's going through, like, all these different multiverses, and you're just lost in this beautifully, uh, cinematography, by the way, you're just lost in this almost psychedelic experience... Like trying to make heads or tails of, like, how is it that I feel unloved if I don't get what I prefer? And how is it that I immediately don't love Source if I don't get what I prefer? That's how deep the conditioning goes. (sighs) I feel immediately unseen, powerless, unloved, uncared for. Like, no one cares. Even God. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who has that happen. Right? Even if it's something as simple as sports, you see this all the time with guys. Well, I mean, it's anybody who likes sports. Like, your team didn't win. They just came down to the, the wire and they didn't get it. And God must hate me. What did I do wrong? I didn't have my lucky rabbit's foot. Oh. Ah. I mean that's a small and comical example. But let's say you started a business and it didn't perform as you thought it would. In the time frame, because there's always a time frame you thought it would too. In the time frame you thought it would should perform or would could perform. You feel unloved. What you preferred didn't take place and now you feel powerless. And that maybe even drove you to listen to this podcast and say, Larry, what's the magic secret? To get Source to do what I want it to do. Or to get people to do what they I want them to do. What do I got to let go of? Well, I wish I had an answer. That's why I'm working this through with you. The only answer that I can see at this moment is that we only have one perspective. Maybe you're like me and you're... An alchemist who's always trying to like look at everything from a million different pe- perspectives. You know, you have your ego's perspective, your heart's perspective. You have your own conscious awareness perspective. Then you ask other people, like, what's your perspective on this? This is what I do when I answer financial questions all the time. People are just asking me for my perception of a situation. To see if it's higher than theirs and it will makes them feel better and align more with source, right? So I'm constantly... Not necessarily judging, constantly seeking higher perspectives all of the time. I, I talked about the truth being fluid a couple podcasts ago, or last one, I can't remember, and how it's constantly evolving. And um, we have to not na- try to nail down the truth. We have to be seekers of the truth, not speakers of it, which means like you constantly have to question everything. The best way to look at it, I feel, is like this. An actual judge, like in a court of law, has to hear, bo- hear, has to hear both sides of a case. Both sides have to present an argument. Which means they have to look at multiple different perspectives and find one. That not only aligns with the law, but aligns with the highest and best for all involved, ideally. That doesn't happen all the time, every time. But ideally, the judge hears everything, and I'm talking about the court of law. The judge hears everything and cr- creates uh, their own perception runs it through the filters of the law, runs it through the filters of their own judgment, their own experiences, and tries to find the highest and best. It's sometimes just as easy as, okay, this person's right, this person's wrong, but most of the time it's like, okay, I can see how you got to this conclusion, here's where you messed up, or here's some of this is right, and some of both of you are right in some regards. You see this a lot with divorces. You can't just, it's not just 50, I mean, it's not just one person created all the problems. Right? I mean, a relationship is at least 50 50. So you've got to take at least 50% of the responsibility, even if you were abused and beaten. I mean, you're the one that stuck around for that. So. You're the one that invited in. You're the one that didn't have boundaries for that. So anytime a judge, a divorce judge or whatever, here's the case, they know that it's not ever black and white. There's multiple different perceptions, multiple different moving parts. Of course, they got to take the law into account, which is what we have deemed societal boundaries that we don't want to break. And so the judge has to hear all of this, run it through the filter of the law and their own perspective to either come up with the highest perspective, ideally, to present to everyone to either get an alignment with or cut some kind of piecemeal deal together, right? So what if knowing that is how we do it in the law? What if we were also like a judge, constantly, and I wish there was another word to use. let me like we use the British term or something like magistrate. <laughs> what if you were like a magistrate? and you didn't you tried not to have any bias. you know tried not to have any of your own experiences brought into this, so that when source comes and does something you don't prefer, you take yourself out of the equation, take a step back, and look at it and go, okay, Source did this thing with, for instance, the dog. Larry the individual did this thing, which is to just pause the recording and tell it to f*** off, you know, and get out of its way. And then we come back together and we see there's always a reason for everything. For instance, the dog is a great example for this podcast. It's cannon fodder. There's always a reason for everything. And the problem that I keep running into is that I only have one or sometimes two or three perspectives on something. I only have one or two perceptions, and Source's perception is infinite. It sees everything. It is everything. So why do I believe that I know what's best in a given situation when I only have maybe at best a handful of perceptions, and Source has an infinite number of perceptions. I think what I keep coming to is, and the reason I brought this up in the beginning, is because of my indoctrination, I still believe to some degree that this is a hostile universe. Because if I didn't, I wouldn't be upset with a preference not being met. I would simply just say, the one who sees infinite perspectives is always doing the highest and best for all involved. This is an evolution machine, an ascension machine, this game of physical reality. So the one who can see beyond the physical reality, who sees every single aspect of creation because it is creation, is making a decision decision on my behalf that I don't prefer, but must be for the highest and best for all involved. It is the most unconditionally loving thing that can happen, but I can't see it. That is why it is so important to drop your preference when it doesn't happen. And shift to realign with source's perspective, for source's perception. If the infinite intelligence sees infinite perspectives and chose this one, then there must be a highest and best reason for that. It's just that my perception can't see it at this time. And so, we come to surrender. Surrender, simply put, means I don't fucking know what's going on. But I'm going to go with it and lean into it because the one who do, does know what's going on is having this take place. Surrender is is just like judgment is the opposite of of, um, unconditional love where what they both they cannot coexist you either unconditionally love something or you judge it and conditionally love it there's no crossover except if you really want to get into the weeds of discernment But the same way that those two things cannot coexist, they're opposites. I mean, yes, in the infinite intelligence both exist and we're all one and all that. You know, non-duality, blah, blah, blah. But what I'm trying to say is you either unconditionally love something or you judge it. There's no in between. The same way there's either surrender or self-righteousness. They do not coexist. And so I've said this on the podcast before, I truly feel, at this moment in time, that my edges are being smoothed out. My blind spots, if you will, are being shown to me. And one of the bigger ones is my self-righteousness. Because I know my shit. But at the same time, (laughs) I don't know anything, not compared to the infinite intelligence. And yes, I know what happens when you compare, but I'm just saying, like, (laughs) even my perspective can only see so little of all that Source can see. It's like having one piece of a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle. That's what I can see. Maybe I get lucky and have a couple more pieces. It sees all thousand pieces constantly moving. So why would I believe that I'm right? Why would I believe that I'm right when reality reveals what it wants? Source reveals what it wants through reality. I think where I just I just keep getting hung up. Is it feels like torture sometimes to not get what you prefer over and over and over again. Just like it feels like torture to be constantly wrong, even though I grow every time I'm wrong, even though when I don't what I don't prefer takes place, I learn I evolve every time or seemingly every time so. This need to be right is driving me insane. But what I will tell you, it's that it's not about not having preferences. I went down that rabbit hole too. You want preferences. It's fine to have preferences. It's fine to have wants, they're neutral it's when we attach to them and then when we make a story that when they don't come to pass we're unloved and unseen and uncared for no when what we want doesn't come to pass at this moment in time because there's always a snapshot of time involved when what we want or what we prefer doesn't come to pass it doesn't have anything to do with the fact that we're unloved it has everything to do with the fact that we're so loved that the infinite intelligence Is creating something even bigger than we can see. And to let go of our perspective to align with it. And yes, I know what I said. It's not. It's a challenge, to be sure. It's extremely challenging to me right now to surrender it's been a lot of pain recently in the past three weeks of my life a lot of pain like the second most amount and highest amount of intensity of pain since my mother died and it's funny because everybody I talked to is like November is a shit show for everybody a lot of pain going on, which means there's a lot of transformation. I always think of pain like, not always, but I would like to think of pain of when a baby is born. You know, they seem to be in extreme pain because they're adjusting to a new environment. So when I see people going through extreme pain, I'm like, if it's not prolonged suffering, if you're learning the lessons and evolving, then it's transformation. Why do I think I'm right? I don't know if I think I'm right or if it's just this this extreme fear of being wrong. That this still in the back of my mind that this is a hostile universe that is trying to hurt me, and so when this pain that is creating cata, catalyst, catalysm? catalism. The pain that is a catalyst for transformation happens, I feel like I'm being punished when in fact I'm being evolved. But man, does it suck to not get what you want. Man, does it fucking feel shitty to be wrong, to be emotionally hijacked. Oh, that's the third thing. I forgot about that. The third thing that makes you feel powerless is self-sabotage. When you do something you don't prefer. That'll drive, it's driven me nuts many a time. Why did I do that? What part of me took over? This part of me that just grabs and makes me feel like a puppet on a string it's you're caught in this thought loop that just won't let you go. Self-sabotage, simply put, is when you say you want something and then do all the things to make sure it doesn't happen. People say they want unconditional love. And then when someone shows up in their life that's unconditionally loving, they say, get the fuck out of here. I've had that happen to me many times. Recently. I do my best, I mean, you hear it, to unconditionally love. Like, that's my whole shtick. Besides, obviously, vibrating into the wealth frequency, which both go hand in hand. Because you cannot vibrate into wealth if you think you're conditionally loved. By source. If you think source's love is conditional, how could you ever be wealthy? Because wealth is the understanding that everything is always okay. It's an understanding that you are always taken care of, regardless of how much money is involved. It's an understanding that you always have enough and there's always more coming. So how could you feel that truly inside your being, in your bones, if you thought you were being conditionally loved and being punished When what doesn't happen, one, something that you don't prefer happens. Like, oh, my 401k just tanked. I just got fired. My paycheck came up short. Maybe I'm being punished for something. That right there will block wealth every time. You cannot feel that everything's okay. If you feel you're being punished for something. And then you go on a witch hunt looking for what, pun, why the punishment is happening. What did I do wrong, God? Shake your fist at the sky. Boy, I've done a lot of that recently. Metaphorically, obviously. Then I keep coming back to this infinite perspectives. Infinite perceptions. It sees all and it shows this. Why am I so hung up this conditioning has just run so deep. Why am I so hung up and thinking that the one who sees infinite perspectives would choose something I don't prefer to hurt me on purpose, not for catacly... Why do I keep getting hung up on that word? Not for transformation, but for punishment and torture. What if it's that I just can't see it? What if it's just that I just can't see what Source can see? What if... It's like seeing a film one frame at a time. I mean, we all see film one frame at a time. But what I mean is, like, we pause and judge that one frame. Or, you know, you see the movie. I don't know know why I was closer to the holidays, but I was thinking about Elf. I love that movie with Will Ferrell. And uh, if you just saw one image, how could you possibly go on the adventure that he goes on? How could you grow from that? If you saw one image and then judged it, too. Like you just see the image of him... Uh, I don't know. You just see the image of him uh, in the bathroom with Zoe Deschanel snooping on her, or whatever—totally so, innocent scene, by the way. Um, but it, it could be judged as not innocent, real easy, especially if you saw it out of context. And there it is. What if I'm just seeing everything out of context? What if I'm seeing my entire reality out of context, and I'm only seeing a two-dimensional snapshot? Snapshot. So how can I judge? How can I judge the snapshot? How can I judge the snapshot of the film without ever watching the whole film? Like, here. There's this great line, I think it was Kierkegaard, I could be wrong, but he said, uh, I don't think it was, I don't know, one of the philosophers from back in the day said, uh, life can only be understood backward, but must be lived forward. Life can only be understood backward, but must be lived forward means you'll never know the context of your entire life until you're dead. And you can watch the whole movie. And obviously, if you're dead, know the entireness of all existence. I mean, I I would hope so (laughs) that that happens. What if my entire life is taken out of context. Like, what if you knew that every single ounce of pain that you ever experienced was to, by grand design, to make you something you can't even fathom? Some great messiah or something. I don't know. i just not saying that's... mean, that word is too religious, but some great leader or some great messenger or some, you know, something that changes people's lives. Every single ounce of pain that you ever experienced would help ease the suffering of millions. Wouldn't it all be worth it? But if you don't know the context, you just see a God that doesn't love you like your parents didn't love you the way you wanted. parents whose lot you judge taken out of context as well. I don't know everything that my mother and father went through, or any of my teachers. I only got to see a snapshot of their lives. Maybe a couple of frames of their movie. And I judge them. Because of the pain they put me through. I judge the snapshot, taken completely out of context. So, then the question becomes, that I'm coming to, is how do I let go of one fully believing that... (laughs) Or right, here, let me take it let me take a step back. How do I let go of thinking that when a preference doesn't come to pass or a want doesn't come to pass feeling like I'm being tortured like my dad did. Just to mess with me, he would do that kind of shit. Oh, what do you want for Christmas? And then have it not show up. Oh, you weren't good enough this year. He'd hear what I wanted and just didn't care. Just used it to make me feel not good enough. How do I let go of that as what Source is doing? And the other question is, what if my entire life is completely out of context and I only see some small piece, of some grand, large scale thing, how do I not grab onto self-righteousness and say, why aren't you listening to my preferences? I'm the one here living this. How do I let go of the self-righteousness that says, if I was running the show, if I was God, if I really am God, I would do a better job. But I only have one perspective, my own. So how do I know that I do a better job? And how do I know that this isn't the exact right thing to happen? That's all based on one perception, one snapshot judgment. Here's the other thing that comes to me. Did we only come, I'm sorry, did we come here to this physical reality to only experience what we prefer? Did we come here to only experience what we prefer? Because what you're talking about there is some kind of fairy tale dreamland or basically what we already come from. We come from a place of unconditional love, of infinite possibility that everything that we want is always said yes to. So knowing that, we came into this physical reality to experience no, to experience contrast, to experience different ways of creating. And so if we really only wanted to experience what we preferred to experience, why would we come here? There's something deeper going on. And for me, even though this is gonna sound almost completely 180 to everything that I think I stand for, getting only what you want, it sounds really boring. Like there's this great line by Alan Watts that talks about artists. If you're just Drawing in black and white, you have to know that foreground and background, it's shading. Like you have to have contrast to accentuate what you're trying to express visually, you have to have shadow. Darkness. You have to have a foreground and a background. To make the light pop, pop like a Thomas Kincaid picture, you have to have kind of dimmer things around it. Wait, is it Thomas Kincaid that does those? Shit. No, yeah, it is. I was thinking of Ansel Adams. (coughs) Anyway. Where was I? (sighs) Did we only come here to experience what we prefer? Or did we come here to dance with creation? And in dancing, the little I know of it, is... A, you have to be okay with looking foolish. Which is clearly <laughs> something that's been shown to me lately. Is you got to really show your flaws and be okay with it. And so this is what I've been working with these past few weeks, these past few days. It's like, why do I keep feeling like I'm unloved? Because constantly what I don't prefer is coming to me. I would never write this story like this. And it feels like no one is paying attention. No one cares. And I know that's not right because it feels terrible to think that. So then you shift perspective and get curious. Okay, why would Source do this? And it comes to the doorway. The doorway is, or the two doors, one is it sees all infinite perspectives and is choosing the one that's highest and best even though I can't see it. Or doorway number two, which is it's doing this to torture me, which will make me go insane. But how would I know? I mean of like I said of what's being born of all the pain. I'm writing another book. Like there's so much inspiration, so many aha moments. Miraculous transformation. A curiosity, a smoothing out of myself righteousness, righteousness how would I know? How would I know that I'm right when I can only see a handful of perspectives at most? smoothing out of my anger better understanding of what surrender means letting go of a lot of my eagerness which is kind of akin to a little bit feels like urgency a little bit knowing that source is not in a hurry to do anything which goes back to if I'm really practicing and vibrating into the abundance frequency then there also would be an abundance of time wouldn't there? and that's a lot of what I've felt lately an abundance of time things slowing down even though a lot happens everything feels slow everything feels like there's just plenty of time to do it all An infinite number of time. An infinite amount of time, rather. So what's the rush? Maybe I end this a little early. Nope, nope, right on time. Ah. If something is happening in your life, especially around money, that is something you don't prefer, do me a favor and just be with it and say, what if I'm judging this completely out of context? What if this thing that I don't prefer is opening me up to an entirely new level? What if it's transforming me, evolving me? And I just can't see it. What if I am truly unconditionally loved? And I just can't see it in what's happening right now. How do I let go of thinking that getting what I prefer is how Source shows me that it cares about me? How do I not judge Source and conditionally love it when it doesn't reflect back what I prefer? great line from Byron Katie I'll end with. One of my favorites. She says something to the effect of, if you think you know better than God, or I think she uses the word reality, you lose that argument, but only 100% of the time. What if Source is just asking us to join it in a higher perspective instead of just dying on the hill, so to speak. What if perspective is the only thing under threat? Because If we are eternal, which I obviously believe we are, and we're unconditionally loved at all times, then the only thing that's really hurting is our current perspective. Our current perception is the only thing that's under threat. What else would be under threat? That dog shouldn't have attacked me. And then I go and fight to be right about that. Instead of just saying... What's under threat exactly? The perspective that it shouldn't have, and all I have to do is shift that and say, "Source knows what's best." It was great cannon fodder for this podcast, and then I'm back to feeling good again. There is an infinite number of perspectives, and I only get one, maybe a handful if I'm lucky. I hope something I've said here today helps you. Especially if you're dealing dealing with a difficult time. My unconditional love to you, I appreciate you listening. (sighs) If there's something you want me to tackle financially or any other aspect, always shoot me an email at thefinancialshaman at gmail. (sighs) We are different airplanes in the same sky, different tumbleweeds in the same desert. My unconditional love to you. Good journey, my friends.